more to uh, some of you than others because you've been praying. The Lord has granted El Pastor Arocha and Pastor Keith Maddy una visa cubana religiosa in order to enter Cuba. Hallelujah. So, if I confuse some of you, I, I, I have received, by God's grace, the ticket, which is called uh, a religious worker's visa, in order to enter Cuba um, within the next three months. And we are tentatively planning to go um, uh, perhaps the last week in September uh, through maybe a weekend in the first part of October. But... Um, for those of you who don't know, I've not been to Cuba in, in eight years, maybe nine. The last time I went, I, I was rejected, and I had to go back to Panama. But um, this will be a dream come true for me, and it will be the renewal of what I can do to promote the work of Cuba. And, and that's what I really want to do. It's strange to have a testimony like this, to have to say that um, – the first place where I was ever deeply involved on, on, on a foreign mission field was La Habana, Cuba, and Arroyon Chapara, these places in Cuba that, um, where I got hooked up with Pastor Arrocha many, many years ago. So I just want to praise the Lord um, in your midst and let you know that that's what happened. You know, that's kind of a... It's a it's a it's a wow movement. Uh, it's a it, it, it's a aha kind of thing. What I just told you, and what I want to preach on uh, tonight is 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 also an aha moment for me. And all I mean by that is that um, when you newly discover something or you find something out that you didn't know before. And you go, wow, aha, that's what's been happening to me, uh, as hard as it may seem to believe, uh, in the uh, Living Locally class, uh, which uh, started with Pastor Mark Redfern, and, and we have this wonderful book, The Heart of Evangelism, uh, that um, is so new to me and, and so compelling, but I was moved so much uh by Justin Klein's presentation on, on is God reluctant? Does he seem like he, like, like he doesn't care as, as much about the salvation of sinners as we do? You answer that for yourself. But, but, but that was the chapter that, that really got my attention. Let me invite you uh, to, to turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and we will notice uh, God's pursuit, God's intention, God's plan, God's success, God's glory in the salvation of what we commonly know uh, as the Ethiopian eunuch. Beginning with verse 26, and, 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 and we'll just read to the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south 
to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candance, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents him from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Asotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is a lovely passage of scripture that that I would just like uh, to make seven observations on in order to open up the text a little bit. And then I'd like to make, um, wow, I'd like to make ten applications of it. They come right from the text. And and don't be alarmed. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it as brief and as concise and aimed right at the target uh, throughout our study. Well, notice uh, um, these seven things. in, in verse 26 and in verse 29, there was clearly a divine intervention and direction. Number two, you will notice that, that there was a chosen and specific target, the Ethiopian eunuch. You, you, you have that in, in, in verses 27 and part of 28. Uh, there is number three, a previous providential preparation. You'll see that in verse 28. And then number four is a wide open door in, in, in verses 30 to 34. And, and number five is the gospel is preached in verse 35. Conversion and baptism is number six, and, and, and it's in verses 36 and 37. And then there is this uh, concluding uh, transition, number seven, and, and it's in verses 39 and 40. Well, let's notice then in the, in the first place that God was intervening 
He did it first through an angel, as you have it in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, but he was under God's charge. And then he did it through the Holy Spirit in verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. This is a strange thing. God is initiating something on a desert road that runs 60 miles long from Jerusalem to Gaza. It is the most southern Philistine city, a Gentile city. This is a pioneer missionary journey. This is Gentile territory. And even though the road was used a lot, and it actually passed through Gaza and went all the way to Egypt and on to the, the African continent, that's what John R. Stott says, also the word south may also be translated midday as it's translated at noon in Saul's conversion. So they already knew that it, it was south. But the time of day might very well have been noon or, 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 or what is sometimes called midday. So this divine command was unusual, a hot, foreign, desert, on foot kind of road. This is the place, an unlikely place where a conversion, this is the spot where a conversion is going to take place. The target, of course, point number two, is the Ethiopian eunuch. He is, uh, he is, is the specified person. It is simply one, one individual person. And that is in contrast to what Philip had actually done before in the very same chapter when, when, when in, in, in uh, verse 4, you see that uh, those who were scattered about, those who were part of the uh, dispersion, uh, they went out preaching the word. And Philip came to the city of, of Samaria, and he proclaimed to the crowds, to crowds of people who with one accord paid attention to what he was saying. And there were massive conversions there, and there was great joy in that particular city. Well, we learn then that um, God cares about an individual, and and Ethiopia, in 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 those days, was was known as Cush or Kush, if you like that. It sounds better, Cush, to me. And 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 that's what it 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 was called. And yet, uh, there was a prophecy of what God was going to do for Ethiopians, among others. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Ethiopia, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath. God was going to do that. And so uh, he was continually purposing to do this. And in the New Testament, it embraces even uh, this Ethiopian eunuch. 
So, what's he like then? Well, he is the CFO. He is the chief financial officer uh, to the queen, whose uh, who's dynastic name, that's not her real name, but it's the dynasty that she was in, Candace, it's not her personal name. But, but he, he was a wealthy man. He was a powerful man. He, he was the treasurer. He was the CFO. And yet he was not satisfied. He was still thirsting. There was still an empty place in his heart. Apparently, he, he was a proselyte. He wasn't a full-fledged Gentile. He had some interest in Judaism, uh, some attachment as a pilgrim to whatever annual festival that he had just currently attended. And um, he could say of himself that he, that, that, that he, he was a worshiper. Uh, he, he was a God-fearing man uh, after that sort. It's as if his lips were very close to the cup. He was holding the cup, but he never took a drink out of it. He never pressed his lips to the brim of the cup and actually poured it in. But he held it, and he admired it, and he was thirsty, but he never took a drink of it. And so we, we also presume that, that, that he was a black man, that, that he was an African man, and he was a high official of the ruling body of Ethiopia. Well, he was also... He was also a eunuch, and that's unusual uh, for us, but uh, know that that God had plans uh, beyond the rivers of Cush. He was going to bring worshipers. Uh, they were going to bring offerings to him. But anyone who, who was castrated uh, in the Old Testament they were not allowed uh, to participate um, in the inward parts of worship. But we read in Isaiah a wonderful promise to, to this category of people. Isaiah says, on behalf of God, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name. Better than sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name, and they shall not be cut off. The one thing on them physically that was cut off did not prevent them from being cut off from God because he had promises for them. And so, this arrangement... Uh, is being made for Philip to come upon this high-ranking Ethiopian-African eunuch. Well, look at the preparation then in, in, in verse 28. This is, this is amazing. He has got a copy of at least a part of the book of Isaiah. How did he get that copy? He must have been terribly interested to have it. He, he must have been enthusiastic to get it. He must have had uh, sufficient wealth in order to procure a copy of this. He lives in Cush. 
He lives in Ethiopia. But somehow, through his contacts, uh, he was able to get it. He had access to it. This is a providential preparation. This is a provision for him that perhaps he did not know the value of. And we find him reading it out loud. That's what the text says. He heard him reading it. That was customary uh, in, in those days. And we find him uh, to be an amazing man who uh, has some love for the God of Judaism, some love uh, for the Word of God, some connection, maybe even historically, Maybe you remember, in, in, and, and we can't prove any of this, okay? This is just a possibility. In Jeremiah 38, maybe you remember the man named Ebed-Melech, that he was an Ethiopian, and he was a eunuch in the king's house, and he heard about what was happening to Jeremiah and the terrible persecution that was coming to him when he was cast into the cistern. He's the man who rescued Jeremiah. He had some love for the prophet, and, and perhaps that's where he got a copy, and that's where there, was, uh, <laughs> there were copies of various books in Ethiopia when he went back home. Who knows? We cannot know this for sure. But in verses 30 and, through 34, there is a wide-open door. Philip runs to him, because he has been sent to him. He sees a wide open door, although he did not expect to find anything while walking on a desert road by himself. And there is a launch pad right there from the text that God providentially has put in the Ethiopian eunuch's hands and allowed him to read. And he's reading it out loud. And that's the place where Philip is is able to enter in. And so he, he's, he would think he'd be blown away by it, that he couldn't handle it. If, if this ever happened to you, if you were in an airport and there was some lost person reading the Bible out loud, you perhaps wouldn't know what to do. That's actually happened to me. And God showed me what I should do. But crazy things like that can happen and and and. And, and do happen. So with the wide open door, he, he is welcomed onto the chariot to sit next to him and contemplate or at least start there in one of the most powerful, prophetic, beautiful key prophecies of, of the Old Testament. That's what, those are the arrangements that God has made. In, in this open door. So with the passage, it's a familiar passage to you. It's a wide open, it's a wide open passage. There's a wide open question that's asked. He, he simply says, what is he talking about? Who is this suffering servant? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? The, the whole idea of a suffering servant was actually quite foreign to the first century. That was not what they looked for. That's why they stumbled over Jesus Christ. 
But with the wide open passage, this is point number five, and the wide open question, there's a wide open preacher of Jesus Christ, and there's a wide open Christ to bless that and to receive this poor sinner. So the good news then in verse 34 Actually, verse 35, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him good news about Jesus. It's awesome to be able to start there. That was his central message. Let me tell you something about Jesus from that text. We find him in the Old Testament text. Well, and then in in, in verses 36 through 38, uh, we see his conversion, and you see his willingness to be baptized. This is a wonderful thing. How did he know about baptism? And maybe he heard about it, and maybe he was a witness to it at the festival. Maybe Philip told him something about it when he was preaching Christ to him. But at any rate, he wanted it. He, he wanted to be washed, and he wanted to show his, his union with his Savior. It's an interesting passage uh, uh, because most of the commentators that I read happen to be Presbyterian, so, or at, at least some of them. I love them. I love them with all my heart. But they are so quick to say that, that, that going down into the water, going down together into the water does not necessarily indicate anything. That there was sufficient water for both of them to get into it. Now, I just want to say, smiling, you know, I, it's not like he, he, he was able to whip out a, a, a dish pan and pour water in it and say, stand in this and, 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 and then I'll pour water on over you, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything like that. But it, it seems so apparent that there had to be sufficient water, and they actually went down into the place where the water was, and they both fit there. Wonder what they did there. He baptized him. That's what he did. Well, then the transition comes. Uh, the end of the matter is that uh, Philip gets clear direction. Seemingly ab- abruptly, you 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 have that in in verses thirty nine and forty, and he leaves, and it it seems like a permanent separation, and and yet um, we find uh, that the Ethiopian eunuch uh, was not sad about it. Look what it says. says, and when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. I, I, I put a sad face there. And went on his way rejoicing. That was his reaction, although he lost the man that had just led him to Christ. He was able to go on his way happily, celebrating. He was glad. But Philip was taken elsewhere. He was taken 20 miles north to Asotis, and uh, that's where he would go from there. He 
he he would also preach in 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 uh, Caesarea. This this really famous guy here. Uh, let me see if 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 I can find his name. Um, his name is Irenaeus. He is a second uh, century theologian. And he's among the name brand guys that 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 are trusted by the good commentators. He says uh, that the Spirit not only gave the Ethiopian eunuch joy, but also gave him courage and power in his own country to preach what he himself had believed. Um, that's not scripture, but it's an eyewitness report uh, of what a famous historian knew. So. Uh, he uh, could not help himself. Well, what are the lessons then? Let's work backwards. Ten lessons. I won't dwell on them too long. The first lesson we learn is what does conversion lead to? What does baptism, what does believing on the Lord Jesus lead to? It leads to rejoicing. It leads to exceeding joy. It leads to happiness like we have never seen in our lives before. Forgive us. Forgive us anyone here who is an unbeliever, who has not yet come to Christ. We've not shown you how happy we are. And we have, and, and we have been sad. And we have been depressed sometimes. And, and we have been morose. Forgive us for all of that. Because Christ is our exceeding joy. And that's what Christianity brings. It brings happiness. It brings gladness. It brings joy. Even in the midst of trials and difficulties and troubles, there is no happiness on earth like being a Christian. And you've got to know that. And that's what the Ethiopian eunuch shows us. Number two. Look what the Spirit of God is doing in, in, in this man. The Spirit was prompting him. The Spirit was telling him what to do. The Spirit carried him away. The Spirit told him to join himself uh, to this chariot. Is the Spirit doing things like that these days? Is the Spirit done? Is the Spirit stopping to prompt people to share the gospel? That's right, brother. I can't speak for everybody. But I'll tell you this. I know that God has given me a gift. He has given me a gift to speak to people that I don't even know and to engage in conversation with them. I can do it in two languages. That's not such a great thing. It is just greater responsibility. But I can testify that the Holy Spirit prompts me to share the gospel, to do something, to engage in a conversation. I am not going to trace that to myself. I'm not going to trace any good thing, any good thought, any good purpose to Keith Maddy. It's got to come from somewhere else. And when I have not done that, when I have resisted that, and if I had time, I would tell you a, a, a sad story where I did that. And I, and, and I regret it, and I don't want to repeat it. 
But I sinned when I disobeyed the prompt that came to me that told me I should go over and talk to that man. Got his car door open. And he gave me two opportunities to do that while going in and out of the bank. Didn't do it. I resisted. I found myself. And I knew that I could. I knew what the conversation could be. And I knew that he would welcome me. I, I knew all of that. And I, here I told you the story. But I drove away. I, I, I said, I've got to get to La Reina de Mexico. I've got to make contact with, with Lalo, who owns the place, so I can witness to him. That was really a sad time. Well, number three. That's the Spirit's prompting. Look for that. Don't resist it. I generally don't, so you can follow my example. I generally don't. I, I generally do stupid things and, 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 and go ahead and share. Number three, then, notice the multi-level nature of evangelism. There is a man who, who represents the crown, and yet he's an individual. He's all by himself. He has rank, but he has a high rank over Philip. He's a different race. He's from a different culture. He's, I don't know what language he spoke, but maybe he was bilingual. I, 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 I don't know how he would learn to speak Hebrew like Philip could speak or Greek, maybe a uh, uh, that was the common language. He was an educated man, but he had a totally different background. We learned from this there was just no category. There's no category of, of, of sinner that we can exclude. The, the high guy, the low guy, the middle guy, the really wicked guy, the moral guy, all of them, all of them need to drink from the cup of salvation. We can't say... I, I can't talk to the airline pilot while he's standing there, and, and I, I can't say, God bless you. I praise God that you're a good pilot, and, and it, you can say that. You, you can talk to the guy that's in the gutter that nobody pays attention to. Number four, behold the doors. These are doors he, 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 he had a wide open door. These are the launching pads. There, there are only so many kinds of doors. There's the wide open door. That's what we have here. There's the partially open door. There's the cracked door. There's the closed door. There's the closed door that's locked. There's a locked closed door with light coming out from underneath the door. There's the closed locked door. Dark. But how do you know what door you are looking at? You'll never know unless you try. You will never know unless you knock on the door that's locked and dark. It's closed, locked, and dark. And you don't know if the light will come on when you knock on the door. You never know. You cannot conclude anything about how you will be received unless you attempt it, unless you try it. And that's what we've got to do. We, we cannot conclude that guy does not want to talk to me, that, that gal doesn't care anything about religion. 
I, I, I'm here to get something. I, I'm here to do my business. When, when it might even be an open door. That's what Philip found. But even if it's not, knock on the one that's closed. Try the knob. Try to push it open. Put your foot in the door. <laughs> knock on the door louder. See what happens. And even if it was locked and, 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 and closed then, the same person may be open later. But we, we just never know. This is where we found, this is what happened to Philip. Both of them had a continuing ministry. The Ethiopian eunuch went went back to Africa to share the gospel with his subordinates, I suppose, maybe even with the queen. Who knows? You know when you first get saved, you just got to tell everybody. And we don't know what happens to us, why we stop doing that. We should be doing it more and more. The more we know, the more we should tell. But we find Philip uh, finally in, in, in Caesarea, and we, we, we find out that he has four unmarried daughters who prophesy. What a blessing to have that kind of thing going on. But anyway, God, number five is, is that God can and does bring an instantaneous change. That's what that's what he can do. He he can transform somebody. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? He doesn't need to. That's not what needs to be changed. The Ethiopian skin is beautiful. As beautiful as the gorgeous spots on the leopard. That's the way God made him. That's the way God made them. They are stupendous. They're gorgeous. It's a beautiful sight to to see a congregation of mixed color or to see one of very dark colors. Beautiful people in Cuba and in Haiti, in La Republica Dominicana, in Africa, in Zambia, in Namibia, in Uganda, in Sudan, in China. That's not what needed to be changed. What needed to be changed was the heart that was inside that could not do good because it was so accustomed to evil. That is the change that God brings. We cannot change ourselves. God has to do it, and he's willing to do it. Number six is, can you appreciate the usefulness of an interview? Isn't that what was going on here? Do you understand? what you read. How can I unless somebody teaches me? Can, can you see the value of that, of asking questions and entering into somebody else's life and, and, and connecting up with them? That's what we've got to do. We can become more conversational if you ask a question. Do you like bold coffee? Do you have the Starbucks app on your phone? <laughs> I ask people stupid stuff like that is to see if we get something going. And, 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 you know, more often than not. But at the same time, when you find people who are gifted to do those things, we, we've got evangelists in our church, then back them. Back them. Pray for them. Help them. Uh, 
to minister at KWC, help them on Fifth Street, help them to get to Romania, help them to do what they are burning in their hearts to do, help them to do that. Well, you see the usefulness of, of, of an interview then. You see the centrality uh, of, of the Scripture, the necessity to have a teacher, but at the same time to have the Scripture. And, 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 and that's the main thing that we want to share and we want to get to because Isaiah says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not turn there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not come back to me. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish the purpose that which it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the matter, in the thing for which I sent. We've got to be sharing the word of God. We've got to connect people up to the revelation that's there. We don't have to be too fast, but we, we've got to share God's word, and, we, and, 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 we, and we've got to share the, the truth as it is in, in, in Jesus Christ. You have it. You just can't keep it. You've got to share it. You've got to find ways to share it. Number seven, was there... Was there a messenger in your life? Did somebody come to you? Did somebody share the gospel with you? Is there right now, dear fence straddler, dear person near the kingdom, isn't there somebody, isn't there a messenger, isn't, aren't there teachers in your life that want to bring you to Christ? You have, you, you have no excuse. Are you, are you a messenger? Are you a teacher? Do you have something that you can share, that you can bless somebody else with? Coming out of that point is, is uh, number eight. This is what really grips me. The writer of this book that... that that we are reading in that chapter is calling for what he what he calls history participation and what he means by that we must get ourselves in the history of somebody else's conversion don't expect that when we share the gospel don't expect that necessarily that person's going to get saved be, be, because they knew us and because I shared with you. Don't expect that necessarily. Hope for that. Pray for that. There was a hardened criminal that one of the commentators talked about who was in prison, and he finally got saved. And, and, and the guy that led him to Christ was feeling so good. He said, wow, wow, uh, uh, God used me. In the conversion of, of a sinner, that's what he thought to himself. And, and, and the prisoner had to tell him, number 25, number 25. And he says, 25, what's, what's, what's 25? He says, you're 25. 
He goes, no, 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 I'm 47. No, no, he said, no. There were, there were 24 others that shared the gospel and impacted my life. They were in the history of my conversion. You are number 25. You were building, you were watering the seed or the plant, and, and, and I finally got saved. I, I praise God for you, but there were 24 others. Are, are you in anybody's history? Do you want to be in somebody's history? I do. I, I, I don't know if, if I am, but I want to be. You don't have to get saved just because you talk to me. But let me meet the girl that I witnessed to in Chicago when I missed the flight who told me your whole, her whole life story, and then I gave her mine. She wanted to hear. She wanted me to say something because she was doing all the talking, and I gave her the gospel, and I gave her two ways to live, and I gave her my business card. I, I wanted her to write me if I can help you in, in in any way. I hope I see Allison in heaven. She walked into the crowd. She's gone forever. Never see her. But I want a place. I want to be in her. And and we need to think that way. I I, I don't have to win every time. Winning and being successful is, is measured by the clarity that you share the gospel, by your willingness to do it, by, by the relationship that you have, even if it's just for a moment. That is big-time success. You don't have to win them at that moment as, as much as you would like. Well, look to Jesus then, dear sheep of God. Look to the one who cared about the crowds, cared about the woman at the well, who, who fed 4,000 and 5,000 and, and, and blind Bartimaeus. Look to him. Be in fellowship with him. He goes with you. Glorify the one who set the example for us. And lastly, Treasure, all of us, let's all treasure together all the preparation that God made for us in, in our salvation. All the steps, all the people, all the providences that were all linked to a plan before the foundation of the world send Jesus Christ to die for us. Admire those preparations and, 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 and be glad. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for uh, the part that we can play in your grand plan of, of redemption. Philip was not an apostle. Philip was just your chosen servant. But to share the gospel, each one of us who has Christ wants to share Christ. Help us. Help us to do this church-wide. Help us to do it in, in the places where we work and in our neighborhoods with our children. Every opportunity, prompt us, oh, prompt us and push us, oh, Holy Spirit, to speak of Jesus Christ. May your word be upon our lips. Help us and bless us and, and bring all these here who don't know Jesus yet to that happy and rejoicing 
and clean and pure and heavenward place where most of us find ourselves. Draw them in for the glory of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.